The way countries regulate gas transport tariffs in Europe is a complicated, nerdy, technical process that's fraught with controversy and heated opinions. So how on earth do we here at ICIS cover developments in this niche, technical, yet really important space? I'm Miriam Sears, and I'm taking you into the newsroom. Okay, so by a bit of an introduction, uh, just in case you were wondering what it is that you've stumbled across uh, and have started listening to, I'm the news editor of a team of uh, reporters here at ISIS, ICIS, where we write about everything that's going on in all things energy markets. Uh, this is the first episode of a new podcast series that I uh, am going to be uh, heading you up where I want to be taking you behind the scenes into the stories behind the stories that we're writing about um, as a business uh, publication or a, a trade publication. We're writing about really kind of techie uh, niche subjects um, but that are really it's really interesting looking at the different parts that come into play that might uh, go into the creation of uh, a story about what's driving prices, where they're likely to go looking forward, and like today, uh, what's the the kind of wheels and the cogs behind the machine that is setting transmission gas tariffs in, in the UK specifically. So I've got Tom, he's our NBP or UK gas markets uh, lead reporter here in our team. Uh, Tom, please tell me I haven't made a mistake in choosing such a nerdy subject for our first episode of this Behind the News podcast. Absolutely not. No, it's, uh, it is very much a nerdy subject, but it doesn't make it any less interesting or important. Awesome. Um, just, I guess, to kind of ground us before we get stuck into talking all about uh, the ins and outs of how you go about reporting on this subject, can you give us a two-sentence summary of uh, what this story is about, or it's an ongoing story, so what, what it is and why it's important. Sure. So, in essence, it's the UK's slow march from <laughs> a tariff regime that was designed back in the 90s when the industry first liberalised to something that is, you know, up-to-date and cross-reflective. Mm. It matters because... Uh, Tariffs govern. Uh, tariffs are what is charged upon gas uh, that enters the system and exits the system, which can range, you know, which covers every shipper and any trader who's looking at the market, mm. influences sort of margins of gas fired power plants, margins of interconnector exports and imports. You know, ultimately it goes even into household bills. That's a component of it. Mm. And uh, from my experience in my days of dabbling in this subject myself a few years ago it's a controversial topic because basically on the one side you've got TSOs or the grid operators in charge of the moving the gas around the system and they want to set tariffs uh, that are going to be able to recoup their losses and and to kind of get their money back that they have to spend and then on the other hand you've got the shippers who are paying the tariffs and sending the money wherever they want it to go and uh, they they want to be able to I guess know how much they're going to have to pay and they want that to be transparent and fair 
Um, so you've got these two warring parts, which ends up uh, being quite controversial when it comes to actually creating the policies that go behind setting these tariffs. Um, Tom, can you tell us, uh, you've been writing about this story for a while now, but when was the first, I mean, it's it's a process that's been going on, like you said, since the 90s, but when was it that you first, as a as a journalist who was given the task of covering UK gas market news, when did you come across this story and how did you know it was going to be important and worth you writing about? Uh, I, I guess I started fairly soon after I started covering the UK gas market uh, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Ofgem, the, um, the energy regulator in the UK, uh, launched and finished a review of various charging arrangements within the regime and came up with a few recommendations. But in addition to that recommendation was this idea that the whole methodology for calculating tariffs needed a much larger overhaul because what was created in the 90s is now, you know, arguably not reflective of how the market is. Um, The system was very much a case of... uh, designing it was designed to show where the grid needed investment and in the in a situation we have now with declining grid use and demand it's mm. arguably not fit for purpose um and then it sort of progressed that there's also this eu tariff code that all member states have to be compliant by so that kind of was also the thing that was going on in the background um and is now very much in the foreground i would say but was it a case of you were trawling through these documents that Ofgem had released, like hungrily looking for a story idea because that your editors were breathing down your neck wanting you to write something? Or was it handed over to you from the previous person who was covering this, this topic? Or was it through discussions with contacts? And like, how, 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 like, how did you actually first realise that, ah, oh, I need to be doing this? Yeah, I think it was maybe a mixture of a few of those things. So my predecessor had been working on it before. I mean, like tariffs, as we've already mentioned, are super important and a heavy reporter here is constantly covering them. Um, but also I'm kind of, I have the luxury of covering a market which is broadly pretty transparent in its mm-hmm. regulation and other facets. So um, off-gem, uh, you have to be subscribed up to the right email list <laughs> to make sure you get them. Um but yeah, Ofgem have always been very transparent in saying when a decision has been made and what the decision is and why they made the decision, okay. whether you agree with it or not. But that was that was where it started, yeah. Okay. And then, what, like, talk me through... So, so basically, in our team, we like to encourage uh, our reporters to have confidence in the fact mm-hmm. that they're probably uh, some of the leading experts in their little field of gas market or power market, or, or whatever their, their commodity and geography that they cover is, um, because they're watching the markets every day, and they're pricing the markets, and they've got industry contacts in lots of different places. Um, but at the same time, uh, we don't uh, come in with an energy, or a lot of our guys don't come in with a background in trading or analysis in this specific market, so you do need to sort of build up that expertise over time um so you've got these emails coming through from off gem you've decided this is an important story that i need to chase um 
but you're not necessarily you know trained up in all of the legal aspects of of the tariff network code or the the gb tariff code and and uh where like where on earth do you start how do you go about uh covering this sort of topic when you don't have that background or expertise uh that that you might like to have yeah no it's it's a it's a good question and and there isn't really a logical starting point um especially when in sort of in in my case uh you know there's lots of reading you can do um you know you, i'm sure you can find tomes and manuals on the history of the the uk gas market and what changes and tariffs are mm. for me it was a kind of a more just like reading what was coming out both from Ofgem and from uh the joint office of gas transporters which is like the body that looks after uh how the UK network code uh, develops, mm. which is largely run by industry, so it's a sort of a self, broadly self-regulated but signed off by Ofgem. Um, and there's loads of material there that's um, not, you know, designed for the layperson, but mm. you can kind of get your teeth into. So there's a big resource there in terms of material that I, that was really useful. But at the same, at the, I, go on. I almost feel though there's there's an overwhelming amount yeah. of resources out there, and if you're just if you're a journalist and you just try to read everything, you're not going to be able to hit your deadlines and right. you're not going to be able to like put together a concise story focusing on what you know your readers care about. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's exactly right. I mean, I've many documents, I've got three pages and realise it's not worth my time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what, what you need is a, some sort of resource to help you guide where you're looking. Um, and that's when you basically start looking for people who know a lot more than you mm-hmm. um, and I've, I'm lucky to speak to uh, a handful of people both uh, sort of in, in the industry in terms of you know working for utilities or producers mm. um, as well as consultants so job whose almost job it is to uh, educate people within the industry right to what's going on and and stuff like that um, so speaking to those people for the last four years has been vital in sort of knowing where to look and getting an idea of what people think, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting uh, about our task, I guess, as a trade publication, where we're writing specifically about um, or for readers who are in the markets themselves and involved in the markets themselves. So we're writing stories that are going to be either not covered at all by the the, the majority of uh, national and international media. So a very different remit of stories compared to, say, the FT or um, Reuters or Bloomberg, uh, because we're going so niche. Um, but at the same time, our readers are um, like specifically looking at the markets. So we're always looking at what's going to be the impact on our readers and, and looking at covering stories from that angle. Have you found uh, covering such a technical and market-specific topic difficult? Or, or what have been the challenges, actually, in, in covering this when, when no, one, <laughs> no one else is writing about it? Or if there is, that it may be, you know, our competitors who are writing about it, um, uh, but perhaps in a different way than we are, or, or we don't necessarily have that much transparency on what they're writing because 
we don't have those subscriptions? Um, I think uh, the biggest challenge outside of sort of building an understanding um, and an authority on it is uh, is sort of distilling the just absolute mountain of material there is there. Mm. Um, I could easily write a thousand, a thousand words a week on this mm. if I wanted to. I yeah. don't want to do that. <laughs> really? Um, really? Yeah. No? Because... <laughs> uh, you know, especially when it comes to sort of network tariffs, there are asterisks upon asterisks about, you know, what gets discounts? How is this capacity treated compared to other capacity? Mm. Uh, so it's about, again, using the resources you have to figure out what needs to be spoken about. Um, and then, again, coming to some sort of idea as to how much detail you want to go into each thing. And it's all about always, again, due to the sort of, our publication is bringing it back to the market yeah. and its impact um, on our readers. Yeah. And I imagine, well, maybe an upside to the fact that no one else is writing about this, the, the, the really technical details of what we're writing about, is that the people you're speaking to, hopefully, are really keen to give you information and keep you up to date because you're the one who is writing about this and, and keeping the powers at be to account in the way that in the process that they're going through uh, setting these tariffs and, and making, and, and I guess also communicating that to readers who may not necessarily be involved in the process and want to keep track of developments. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair to an extent. There will always be people <laughs> who don't want to talk to journalists regar yeah. regardless of, of what you're covering. Um, uh, people in the industry are less likely to want to be named mm. um you know because their views on things might be aligned or might be separate with their company's sort of commercial position mm. which is fine and uh you know people consultants and stuff might have a, a tendency to be um yeah uh to be willing to um give their opinion and i think we're also quite lucky in the extent that we're sort of the old heron and now the ISIS publication has this benchmark um, mm. role. So it's a really well-known and regarded publication. Um, so if if they know that what I'm writing and what they're saying to me is going to be reflected, um, they're probably maybe a bit more keen to speak, to speak, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's one other issue um, with writing about these types of subjects is... Um, the, the majority of people you're speaking to and the contacts who you're reaching out to and trying to get a grip of uh, what's how to write about this in a fair way and getting opinions from people and, and just knowing the big important parts of the story. Um, they might not necessarily want you to quote them or to name them in your articles, which means that you can't uh, add that authority and weight that you would want to. Um, so... I guess that's a challenge as well um, in, in reporting about this sort of thing. Yeah, and even if even if you quote and don't name them, it's you have to be careful because the uh, the sort of what I you know the the people who I'm speaking to are involved day to day in the sort of you know not in just tariffs but all network all aspects of how the network code in the UK evolves. Uh, you know, it's 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 not a tiny club, but it's a small club. Mm. Um, people know each other. Yeah. Um, so you, you have to be careful that what you're reflecting isn't identifiable. You know, 
that might you might be you might speak to someone's who their opinion is they're the only one to hold that opinion. Yes. <laughs> so if you reflect that, and anyway, everyone will know that it was the, that person. And then they come to the next meeting and they know who yeah. they've spoken to. Yeah. Um, so that's something you have to be careful with. Mm. Um, it would be great if I could name every single person. Sadly, that's not the reality. So the way I try to do that is speak to, you know, get get a wide range of views, um, both from people in the industry and sort of consultants uh, on that side. And also, uh, you know, not editorialized to an extent, but sort of try and be rational in how I think about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess uh, use your own authority on your knowledge of the matter and, and kind of putting things into perspective in a snappy way, a journalistic way uh, that treats both sides fairly. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. We'd better stop there. I actually, in a nerdy way, could go on speaking <laughs> about the different ways to report on this kind of um, topic for, for ages, but uh, we'll stop there. Um, and uh, hopefully... Uh, you guys listening on the other end will have uh, had a little bit of an insight into uh, the different things that go into putting together stories on um, different types of regulation or uh, uh, you know technical kind of processes of putting together um, a, a network code on how to set tariffs uh, in different jurisdictions. Something that Tom is going to keep on writing about for us, and uh, uh, yeah, and keep on listening. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be chatting to different reporters about the different types of stories that they're writing as well, not just regulation, but um, different types of data analyses and uh, investigations that we're running here in the team. Uh, so, thanks for listening, and I hope to have you again next time. <laughs>